Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. The Cover 2 Resources podcast is an ongoing series in which we interview experts in the fight against opioid addiction. It is made possible through donations and sponsorships from concerned individuals or organizations. If you want to help in the fight against opioid addiction, please consider donating or sponsoring the Cover 2 podcast. Go to cover2.org for more information. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. In this episode... I'll be talking with Leanne Cornian, who is the Director of Children's Initiative from Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine's office. Leanne has been leading a new child protective services program here in Ohio known as START, that's Sobriety Treatment Reducing Trauma, to help keep children with their families, a hugely important issue here in our state. So Leanne, welcome. Thank you for having me. Okay. So let's start off talking about this program and how your implementation of it is going to be just a little bit different from the implementation that you're modeling in Kentucky. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, Ohio's version of START is called Sobriety Treatment and Reducing Trauma. Uh, This is slightly different than Kentucky's version and the version that took place up in Cuyahoga County, which uh, was called Sobriety Treatment and Recovery Teams. So as you can tell by the change in names, we're really focusing on reducing trauma. Um, and one way we're doing this is for every single child who enters the child welfare system as a result of their parents' um, drug abuse, we are doing a trauma screen on them so that we can help connect them with resources and services that they need to really address the trauma that they have experienced by um, either the neglect um, or witnessing their parents' active drug abuse. Uh, And another way that we're trying to reduce trauma is within our parent population as well. So all of the parents who who enter the child welfare system, again, um, as a result of their drug addiction, we are going to uh, work with our behavioral health care providers, our drug treatment providers, to help educate them on how to conduct trauma screens for these parents. So all parents will be screened as well to see if they have underlying trauma that may have caused them to start um, abusing drugs in the first place. So our goal really is kind of across the board to deal with the severe trauma that both parent and child have experienced as a result uh, of their parent's addiction. Um, So that's one way that it's different. And the reason that we kind of had to modify the program slightly was in Kentucky, they used a lot of funds to build the infrastructure that some of their more rural communities needed um, to to expand behavioral health um, resources in, in the community that may not have had access to them. Unfortunately, the funding streams that we are using for this uh, kind of limit those resources and the ways in which that we can spend the money. 
So um, we're really trying to be creative with our usage of, the, of, the, of these dollars, um, which required us to, to tweak the program a little bit. Um, as some of your viewers or listeners may know, the Kentucky model um, is in the California Clearinghouse for, for best practices, so it is evidence-based. We're not doing it all the way up to the level of fidelity um, that they that they implemented it with, simply because, as I mentioned, we don't have the funding to build that infrastructure um, that they spent so so long implementing in Kentucky. Um, so we did have to tweak it slightly to meet our counties that are participating in this pilot where they're at, um, and and hopefully, um, you know, just provide them with additional resources as they work to address this increasing number of kids who are coming into custody as a result of their parents' drug addiction. So let's talk about the START teams. What are the START teams comprised of? So uh, there are three separate um, entities that are involved in a START team. The first and foremost is child welfare. Uh, So there is a dedicated caseworker who handles a much smaller caseload of about eight to ten cases who can really provide intensive case management and wraparound services uh, for children who enter the child welfare system because of their parents' addiction. So because of the parents' addiction, uh, they also, the parent is going to need some kind of uh, drug treatment. So the behavioral health providers are also a very important part of this DART team. Uh, and one way that the behavioral health partners um, are, are working on this team is through something called a peer support and recovery specialist. So this is a new role that has been created by the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. Um, and essentially, these are individuals who have lived experience um, with addiction, who have been in recovery for a certain period of, period of time, and who have then gone through a certification process that's set by the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. It requires 16 hours of online training, 40 hours of in-person training, and in order to get their certification, these individuals must also pass a test. So it is a pretty labor-intensive process, um, and that's just to make sure that that we have the best possible peer mentors providing support to these, um, you know, their uniquely situated families. And then the third and final party who's part of these start teams is the juvenile court or the family drug court. Um, and, and they would be the entity that helps refer families to the start program, uh, or, you know, the, uh, a worker from the, from the juvenile court, um, you know, may be interested in participating in the team as well. Okay. So how do they qualify to get into the program? Uh, so we have um, a very short list of, of requirements uh, for families to qualify for START. Uh, first and foremost, um, a family can qualify if they have co-occurring uh, drug addiction as well as child maltreatment. So a family um, that is struggling with, with drug abuse uh, and there is um, tra- child maltreatment occurring in the home, those families would be able to participate in START. So Upon referral to the start or to child welfare, um, a family would be flagged by the child welfare um, intake worker, uh, an investigator, uh, and and then they would hopefully be immediately referred to the start track. Uh, you know, and we would bring at that point we would bring in our peer support and recovery specialist 
to um, work hand-in-hand with the caseworker who's investigating the case to really help encourage the parents to seek treatment and connect them with the resources that they need um, to achieve recovery. Do the parents have to have insurance for this to work? Uh, so either insurance or Medicaid. Um, and, and what we're trying to do is work with our counties to identify a behavioral health provider in their region that they can um, that they can uh, connect these families to in kind of a preferred pathway. Uh, and, and hopefully all of those behavioral health providers would also accept Medicaid. Okay. In addition to private insurance. Okay. So let's go back to how you identify those candidate families. That would sound, that would seem to be kind of a challenging task. So, you know, our, our uh, child welfare workers, our investigators um, are very, very, very good at, at identifying the underlying causes as to why a child may enter the child welfare system or be, you know, um, referred to child welfare. So when they get an, an initial call through, uh, through their um, uh, referral process, um, you know, they, they may weed out certain cases, um, but those that are referred to investigation, uh, you know, and a, a caseworker will go out and, and take a look at the house and talk with mom and, and dad and see what's going on. And if they can tell that, you know, there appears to be an underlying um, drug issue in, in that household, then they would hopefully bring in at that point in time a, a peer support specialist who would work hand-in-hand with, with mom and dad to help connect them with the resources they need to seek treatment. But um, according to PCSAO, which is the Public Children's Services Association of Ohio, about 50% of, of uh, children in um, child welfare right now in state custody uh, are there because of parental drug abuse. So this is a, a huge population, um, unfortunately, uh, of kids who are, who are both referred to child welfare um, and who are already in the system. So, and I understand the program's been in place in Kentucky for a while now, and um, they have had pretty good success in terms of reducing the number of children that are placed into care. Is that correct? Yes, that is. So um, the Kentucky model, which we're trying to replicate um, closely here in Ohio, is uh, based primarily on trying to keep the child in the home when it's possible. Uh, so if, if the home setting is, is unsafe for the child, then they'll remove the child. But the goal is to provide upfront services to make sure that that family can become independent. So whether that's connecting um, mom and dad to, to treatment, um, whether that is connecting connecting them to, to other programs that they may need, um, you know, food programs or, you know, any other program to make sure that, that it's the safest and best possible place for the child. Uh, and what they saw is by providing these intensive upfront services, um, about 50% fewer kids even, even enter child welfare. Boy, that's tremendous. 50% less. That's, I mean, that's huge. Yes. So there's also a cost savings component to this. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So, uh, so it is very expensive to, to house children who are removed from their parents' custody and placed into foster care. Uh, you know, we have foster families who um, provide care 
um, and they have to be paid uh, by the counties who receive those services. Um, and, and they're kind of the cheapest possible option. They, they make about $500 a month, which isn't a significant amount. Um, and then there are uh, sort of, they're called treatment foster families. So these are foster families who have been trained uh, to deal with um, either children who suffer from behavioral issues or, you know, who may have more intensive needs, both physically um, or emotionally. Uh, and they have kind of a more expensive cost because they're delivering a, a higher level of care. Uh, and then there are some children who may not be able to um, remain safe in either of those settings, and they need to be in residential care. So they're sent to a specialized facility that has the capacity to, to serve the, their needs. Um, and all of these, you know, placements uh, are uh, cost, they, they come with cost. So, um, you know, by preventing the kid from being removed from their family and providing um, the family with those upfront services that they need to become independent, uh, you know, we have a significant amount of cost savings on the back end by not placing that child in, in, a, in a setting where, you know, the, the county or the state um, would then be paying an, another family to, to provide care to them. So in Kentucky, uh, for every dollar spent on Ohio Start, they saw $2.52 in savings, so um, 150% of their investment. Very impressive. So when's the program scheduled to launch here in Ohio? So we officially started the program on April 1st of this year, um, and then we are using the initial six months of the grant to kind of get all of the pieces in place. So it requires us to um, contract with, with each of these counties. Uh, it requires us to develop MOUs, Memorandums of Understanding, so that all of the important team members who are on the START team um, know their roles and responsibilities and are committed to, um, you know, being uh, in, in adopting and applying this model in their practice, um, you know, Contracting, our counties will need to contract with behavioral health providers to make sure that there's a peer support recovery specialist on staff at a behavioral health care provider uh, that would be willing to work with, with our caseworkers to implement this model. So there's a lot of moving parts to get in, into place, and we're hoping that uh, delivery of services to families will begin no later than October 1st. Okay. So, again, back in Kentucky, mothers who participated in START um, – they achieved sobriety at nearly twice the rate of mothers without the START program. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by, by kind of using um, the uh, interaction, the initial interaction with child welfare as a springboard to help our parents engage in, in drug treatment um, is, is really kind of a great way um, to help encourage them to, to seek out treatment. Uh, you know, no parent wants, wants to lose custody of their child. Um, all of these parents want to remain with their kids. Uh, and, and at that initial point in time, it's, it's usually a really great time to convey to them the importance of, of them needing to seek recovery um, and treatment. So uh, by by using that as a segue to connect them with resources and to connect them with treatment, um, you know, Kentucky was able to see significant results um, and better completion rates and better sobriety rates as a result. Any idea how many continued, remained 
you know, long term in the in the program in recovery that is. Uh, so my understanding is Kentucky also um, saw fewer kids returning back into child welfare within six months. So um, at, you know, at that rate, these parents have re- have achieved um, recovery for an extended period of time. So if a community wanted to do this, how would they go about it? Well, first and foremost, it requires all of the important team members to come to the table. So without having peer support and recovery specialists, without having behavioral health buy-in, um, without having dedication to this model um, by child welfare and by the juvenile courts, um, it's really not going to be successful. So that's why we are so appreciative to the 18 counties who have committed to this pilot because uh, it really is uh, a commitment by many, many, many individuals within their communities. So um, if, if all of those people are willing to come to the table and wrap around these families and provide them with the intensive support that they need, that they uniquely need, um, then, then these counties and communities will be able to be successfully made. So what do you do in counties where the resources are lacking? They just don't have the resources readily available to them. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the population that we're working with. Um, in Southeast Ohio, there aren't as many um, treatment facilities available. Transportation to and from these treatment facilities is, is very challenging for a lot of the families um, who we would be targeting with Ohio Start. Um, but we are working with an evaluation team from Ohio State University's College of Social Work and the OU um, Voinovich School's Leadership in Pu- and Public Affairs to evaluate you know, what is working, what isn't working, and uh, see if this can be re- replicated in, in similar communities. So our goal is that at the end of these two and a half years to kind of have um, a guide post of, of how communities can go about implementing this, even if they are um, resource poor. Outside of the 18 counties that you've already identified and are working with, what if another county within Ohio wanted to get involved in the program? How would they go about that? So uh, they can reach out to me. Um, I, as, as you mentioned, Leanne Cornian, the Director of Children's Initiatives with the Attorney General's Office. I'd be happy to speak to, you know, whatever community is interested in possibly um, participating. What we're doing right now is we're trying to get all the pieces in place for these 18 counties who have committed to um, rolling out this pilot over the next two and a half years. And then uh, in about six months, we're going to look at some of our preliminary data. And if we think that, you know, the model that we have implemented is working, um, then we may open it up to additional counties. So if there are others out there uh, interested in participating, um, you know, I'd I'd love to speak with them and and get them on our radar. Uh, And then if the opportunity presents itself to expand this pilot further in in the coming two and a half years, we'll certainly keep them in mind as we do so. Terrific. Well, I, I, I tell you, that sounds like a, just an outstanding program, Leanne, and, and um, certainly optimistic about the potential to, uh, to make a huge difference in, in children's and families' lives here in Ohio. Absolutely. I'm very grateful to the Attorney General for um, you know, his thought leadership on this and his creativity in using our Victims of Crime Act funding to, to really provide these services that so many families in the state of Ohio need. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't also thank uh, Casey Family Programs, who has also committed a total of $75,000 to assist 
um, with this pilot program over the next two and a half years. Wow. Outstanding. So, Leanne, what final comments do you have for our listeners? Well, um, you know, I hope that they just stay tuned uh, as to what we're able to accomplish over the next six months um, and the next two and a half years total. Uh, I, I'm confident that um, this, this pilot program will, will result in some best practices for communities to adopt. Uh, and if any individual or any community is looking for innovative practices to, to assist families who are in the child welfare system um, and who are dealing with drug addiction, um, we'd be happy to, to provide you with more information. Um, and we hope that you'll take a look at the Ohio START model. And what's the best way to reach out and get in touch with you, Leanne? Um, via email would probably be best. Okay, and we'll publish your email address along with this podcast. So, Leanne, I want to thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure uh, to, to tell all of your listeners about our Ohio Star program. Okay. We've been joined today by Leanne Cornyan, who is the Director of Children's Initiatives from Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine's office. Leanne, of course, is leading the effort for this new Child Protective Services program known as START, that's Sobriety Treatment and Recovery Teams, to help keep children with their families in the state of Ohio. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. With your support, the Cover 2 team can continue to research and broadcast these resources to others in need. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.